This is the Tech Arts Podcast, where we talk about tech, leadership, and all things that concern church audio, video, and lighting. Welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast and the Earthworks Audio Studios. First, I need to give a shout out to our sponsors. Thank you to Earthworks Audio and Digico for being a part of this podcast and assisting with our mission to help the local church. If you don't like and subscribe to the Tech Arts Podcast, make sure you do that today. Our YouTube subscribers has gone up substantially in the last two months, but the podcast side of things, well, it still needs a little love from you guys and gals, so be sure to tell all your friends about us and go onto your favorite outlet and subscribe today. If you don't have a podcast outlet, you can go to techartspodcast.com and find an outlet that works for you. We have a good one today. It's called Mic It Up. Matter of fact, in the past episodes, we have talked audio from a 50,000-foot level. Concepts, consoles, stuff like that. In today's podcast, I want to talk more specifics with audio. Specifically, I want to talk about mics, and not only how to mic uh, a vocal or an instrument or a choir, but what mic is the right tool for that instrument or vocal? I also wanted to have a discussion with someone who not only mixes front of house, but also mixes post and broadcast for TV. That brings me to my introduction of my next guest. Please welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast, Matt Lowe. Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going? It's going good, man. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I don't know if you're a Rangers fan, but... Uh, the Rangers, and this is probably going to air after the World Series, right? But <laughs> the Rangers are in the World Series. Uh, I went online and snagged a deal for tickets. So this Friday, uh, I'm going to be going to Game One of the World Series. So no. I am pumped, man. I've as a once in a lifetime thing, and uh, yeah. I looked at the ticket prices afterwards, and they like quadrupled. Uh, after I got them, but I wow. snagged a ticket. So I don't know. Are you a Rangers fan? I am. Yeah, I've I've followed them most of the season. I actually I just today got my World Series hat in the mail. Are you going to the World Series? I'm not. No. Oh, okay. When I started looking at the tickets, they were quadruple. <laughs> so Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I you know we did a pre-interview, so I kind of know who you are and what you've done. But give our audience uh, a little bit of insight of what you've done in the industry. Give us some of your street cred. Yeah. So my name's Matt Lowe. I I, uh, I started off as a drummer growing up doing drums in my youth group. And from there, I went on to do audio because everywhere we went, the audio wasn't very good. So I decided to make it a little bit better for the musicians. And um, my travel took me to uh, Nashville. I was in Oklahoma. And my travel took me to Nashville, where I went to school at Belmont University. And from there, um, basically started um, right out of school. I mean, I, I was a production manager in Franklin, Tennessee for a little while at a production house that did live recordings. Um, we did a Jeremy Camp back in the day, one of his live recordings for Integrity, and all the Christian labels are there, so they all did their showcases at the place that I was at and everything. So that was, that was fun and kind of started my journey. Um, I would say, of uh, doing production and, and music and mixing. Um, from there, I went to California. A church hired me as their production director, and um, basically I, I jumped from one church to the next, and the next one was my, my landing spot for about 13 years. 
Uh, I was the technical director at a church out in Irvine, California called Free Chapel, Orange County. And, um, gosh, I, it was, it was a blast. I love that church with everything that's in me. Um, can't speak enough good words about them. And while I was there, it catapulted me to the next season of my life. And, um, I, I had the great opportunity while I was there to work with Jennifer Lopez, Pharrell, Williams, uh, Monica. Gosh, I, I did studio work with Usher, Leona Lewis, Shaka Khan, um, worked with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis at their studio. A few of those are kind of popular, just a yeah, little bit. just a few. <laughs> just a few. In the Christian world, um, I, I traveled with a guy named BJ Putnam, who has written some songs with uh, Israel Houghton. And Israel would come in to the church there in Irvine. He he would play there for a while. So um, I got a chance to to mix for him while at the church. Mac Powell would come through. Uh, CC Winans. So it was uh, it was a, a fun time, and I had a blast. And then from there, I actually decided to do more broadcast side, and so I started working for Trinity Broadcasting. And now I'm doing more post audio um, in the box kind of just making sure that TV levels are good and mixing talking heads for the most part. Yeah, well, that's why we wanted to have you on because today's episode is called Mike It Up, and uh, we wanted to talk about mics. But you mentioned some names there that are pretty popular. You got to have a funny story about uh, something that happened with some yeah. of those guys. Yeah, so uh, my one of my, I think I, I was I had done about two or three shows with J-Lo at that point, and one of the shows that we did was a private event for a wedding. Um, this very rich couple, I don't even remember their name, but they basically hired JLo and her dancers to come in just for that one night for their wedding party and do a private concert. Um, no band, it was all tracks. Um, and it was, it was just her and her dancers and yeah, it was it was an interesting it was an interesting night to say the least. If it's your wedding, I really hope it was the wife who brought her in because if if it was the if it was the husband, I don't know. That's uh that's a conversation right. that's probably going to be had down the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I brought yeah. JLo and their dancers in for the uh, the wedding, honey. How's that? How do you think of that? Uh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Definitely. So, that's cool, man. I mean, sounds like you have a lot of cool stories, but it, you're also, you, it looks like you've been coming back kind of towards the, the Christian side of things. So tell us why. Why have you stayed, you know, with Trinity Broadcasting Network and Free Chapel? What, what's kind of bring, what brings you in that direction versus over on the secular side? We all know the secular side, you can make a lot more money there, but it seems like you're kind of heading in the Christian direction. Give us a little bit of, of the reason why you, you're staying on that side of things. Yeah, so I, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor for five years. My parents were always in the music industry side of things. My dad played guitar and um, was in a band when he was younger and everything. And him and my mom would tour and do worship music at churches when we were younger. And um, my, my love for music was always at the church. Um, and so it, it just, it's it's my heart. It's my passion. I love teaching. I love training. Um I love going out and just meeting other people who are doing what we do. And it, it's it's more of a challenge, I think. In the secular world, you get what you want. I mean, you can get whatever console you want, whatever PA you want, whatever microphones you want. Whereas in a church, you're not always able to do that. 
you know, I mean, you have to steward the money that people are giving to you. And some churches can't have the nicest stuff. You know, some, some churches have analog consoles still, you know, it's like not everybody has a digital board and it's, it's more of a challenge. So I think I, I love going in and helping and teaching and just seeing where people are at and what they can do with what tools they're given. I know some audio engineers just went, what's an analog console? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we grew up in the days of analog console. I and those, did, and tape. <laughs> that's right. We know what those are, those one-inch machines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you had to like get it right and splice the line. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, Matt, we always do a church tech tip on the podcast, and um, I know we're going to be talking about microphones with instruments and different things here a little bit later in the podcast, but today's church tech tip is the SR31. 117 um, by Earthworks. Um, I've been hearing rave reviews about this microphone. Um, I have not yet heard it yet, though, uh, and I know you have heard it. And so I just want to talk a little bit about the SR3117. They make a wired version, which I think is the the 117. And I know they're coming out with, um, by the time this podcast airs, they're coming out with the Sennheiser version as well. Um, the SR3117, I believe, is for the Sure uh, wireless uh, but tell us a little bit about that microphone and uh, why it's so amazing. So um, I was extremely fortunate to get it before it was released um, and and basically just kind of try it out. Um, first experience, the microphone that I was using prior to this, um, there were a couple that we were using. I was still at Free Chapel when it came out, um, living in California. Uh, I've since moved to Texas, but in California when we got the mic, we were using a DPA 4018 on our lead vocal, and then we had Telefunken M80s on all the rest of the back line, um, and then KSM9s on our on our uh, speaking mics. Um, my first impression was I, I was blown away. We flattened the EQ. I didn't have to bring much down at all. Um, I was able to get more gain before feedback which was incredible. Um, in our room, we had, uh, I think there were 16-foot ceilings. I mean, it's a really low ceiling. You, you can jump on the stage and hit the line array is how, how low things are in that room. Wow. Um, and so the, just the ability to, to turn it up as loud as we needed to. Yeah, so you had vocals that were probably standing right under, around, yeah. or near the line arrays, just oh, kind yeah. of blasting right at the microphone. Yep. Uh, and it gave you more, I mean, how much more gain did it give you? 3 dB, 6 dB? I mean, where did it, where did uh, it take you? It was about 6, yeah. It was about wow. 6, 6 dB. Um, and in the room, obviously mixing live, you can't really tell the rejection from the rest of the stage, you know. I mean, we have our drums in an enclosure, but the back was open, so the cymbal bleed was still there. Um, pretty heavy drummer, so all the cymbals would bleed out. Um and it was it was night and day when we went into the broadcast room with it. It was we were, they were like, "Would you are you listening to his mic? Like, is that his microphone?" And then he wasn't singing at the time, and then he would start singing, and it was like, "Whoa, that's incredible! Like, you can't hear the drums." And so it, I, it was just yeah, it blew us away. And they they actually ended up buying I think eight capsules when they came out. That's awesome. And the vocal quality is is, is crisp and clean. Yeah, I, it, it's definitely my preference now um, with vocal mics. Uh, I was oh, so this huge, is your go-to mic This now. is my go-to mic, yeah. Uh, I was a DPA guy, would swear by it, loved it. Um, 
I never really liked the Sure capsules. I never I, the KSM nine. You know, everybody raved about it when it came out. Um, back when it came out, I was a Sennheiser guy, so I, I had the Neumann capsules. You know, I was I was a big Neumann fan back then. Um, and then the church decided to go. We went back and forth. Decided to go with Sure. So then it was like, ah, oh, losing my Neumann capsule. So then we went, you know, we tried the 58, the 87, and then, you know, the KSM 9, and now they've come out with the with the 8, the 11. It's it's kind of continued to grow, but um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I fell in love with this microphone when we first tried it, and it was just, it, it blew me away how flat I could run the EQ and get a natural sound from our vocalist. It's also price to quality. I mean, like when I looked at the price of this microphone, I think it's under two hundred dollars. I think it's like yeah. one seventy nine or something like that yeah. um, on their website. Uh, and uh, the quality conversation that I'm hearing coming back from engineers like yourself is like, you will not believe this microphone. It'll, it'll blow you away. And of course, everybody out there is streaming. And so some of the things you talked about in terms of the rejection and not picking up all the cymbals and drums, not only does that help you with the streaming side of things, but all these churches that are throwing in drum cages and things of that nature, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but if you get a microphone like this that rejects the sound around it a lot more, Maybe you don't have to have a drum cage or you don't have to cage it as much. So those are some things that uh, that I see coming in uh, with the SR3117 that I think is is pretty uh, uh, pretty amazing. And it sounds like this is your go-to mic. You use it on, on all your vocals now? I use it every Sunday, yep. It is my go-to mic. If you guys want to get your hands on the SR3117, go to earthworksaudio.com. That's earthworksaudio.com. This is an amazing microphone that you need in your toolkit and will help your vocal mixes go to the next level. All right, we have to step away for a moment to help pay for this podcast, but I want to tell you and everyone else that when we come back, we are going to be talking about what mics are best for your drum kit, how to get a fat snare drum sound. We get into what mics you should use on other instruments as well, plus We are also going to talk choir mics, piano mics, and more. Hang on. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you for listening to the Tech Arts Podcast. Be sure to tell all your friends about us. Give them the website techartspodcast.com to find out more. More great content is coming up right after this. Our main sponsor is Digital Great Commission Ministries. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just better understanding the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Because they are a 501c3 donor-sponsored organization, they come to your church for free and do an assessment of your tech, visitor engagement, and online streaming. Plus, we give away free gear. Be sure to go to audiovideolighting.com and register your email today. This will sign you up for all of the free giveaways and give you first access to everything we offer for free. If you want free resources, training, or consulting, contact Digital Great Commission Ministries today by going to audiovideolighting.com. That's audiovideolighting.com. Welcome back, everyone. 
We're talking with Matt Lowe. He's uh, with TBN, mixed with a lot of great artists. And we're talking mics and how we should mic things up. So, Matt, let's start with drums. I'm old school. I just throw in a uh, throw an SM57 on the snare and call it a day. Uh, but there's so many other options that bring more meat to the snare drum. So what do you recommend, Matt? So uh, in my time with the snare drum, uh, I, I started off as a drummer, so drums are extremely important to me. Um, I, I started off with the 57, uh, but then it just didn't, I never could get that sound that I want. I'm a, I'm a country music fan as well. So I love that, that tight poppy snare, but also with a lot of body. Um, and I tried, um, let me see, what else did I try? I tried a beta 57 and I liked it better than the SM57. Um, but then I found the Telefunken M80 and that was my go-to mic. I mean, that was, I, I own one that would be in my bag everywhere I go. I would always use that mic. Um, and recently that has changed, um, with, with the Earthworks 117 coming out. Um, so the wired version, the wired the, version. Uh, yeah. You, so you're throwing that on your snare. I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's replaced my, my M80. Why do you like it so much? Um, I don't have to fight it as much. I didn't really have to fight it with the M80, but I feel like I get a more natural sound out of it without having to work at it too much. Um, I don't have to put as many, I guess, plugins or EQ. I don't have to do as much EQing on it um, with with the 117. So if you're using that mic, let's talk mic placement. Where do you place that mic on the snare? Um, I have it just like the front of the microphone is right at the rim. It's like right at the edge and uh, probably about a half inch, maybe an inch off of the off of the drum itself angled. I, I When I was in college, my professor, when we first started learning about microphones, used a flashlight as an example. And he would point the flashlight and, you know, where do you want the flashlight to be pointed? And um, so I always use that as a determination. It, it To me, it depends on the drum and the drummer. Um, I always look at where the drummer hits the drum the most. And that's that's where I want that mic to be basically pointed at. And snare bottom, are you, do you mic the snare bottom? I do. Uh, I've got a bunch of different mics that I've gone with. Uh, I'm not a huge snare bottom mic user. Like I, I have it just in case I need more, but I don't really go to it that much. Um, well, let's talk this for a second. Cause I know a lot of people out there just heard me say snare bottom and, you know, they're sitting in a church, you know, um, they volunteer on a weekend, they're running sound and they go, what you, you put a mic on the bottom of the snare. So help everybody understand how the snare bottom can help you. Yeah. The, the snares are what make it. So like the ghost notes, when a drummer barely hits the drum and stuff like that, it's like some of those, you don't really pick up with the top mic. All you're going to pick up is the tone of the drum, which sounds more like a Tom. Um, so the bottom snare that you mic that right under the snares, right under the metal, metal snares underneath. And that gives you more of that like sound. (laughs) Do you throw it out of phase or what do you, how do you kind of talk people through, you know, where you put the mic and and how you mix it in. You said you don't use a lot of it. So I'm kind of interested in that. 
So I, I put it um, in line with my top snare mic. Typically, it's right at the same spot. Um, if I can position the snare so that the microphone is close to the snares themselves, I will, I will do that um, to try and pick up more of the snares and less of the the head of the drum, the bottom head. So you put the top, you know, kind of one inch right there at the rim, and then you yep. put the bottom same way in line, yeah. one inch at the bottom of the rim, kind of yep. maybe a little closer to get your to get the snares, the bottom snare sound a little bit more. Yeah. Rattle. Exactly. And then the out of phase thing, uh, I, I go back and forth. It, it depends on the, the microphone. It depends on the placement and how much of the pickup pattern both mics are, are there. Because um, sometimes I don't need it out of phase and other times I do. So it's, it's, it's uh, back and forth. And the phase thing is a, uh, I guess that's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally, yeah. I mean, because some of that, at least with the snare, is you know how loud the drummer's playing too, and yeah. you know what's causing it to bleed from one mic um, to another mic. What mic do you like using down there? Uh, my go-to, if I can get it, is an Audio Technica ATM four fifty. Um, it's a side side address mic, I guess. It's it, it's a pencil mic, but the the diaphragm is sideways on it, so it, it kind of looks funny. It doesn't look normal when you put it under a snare because it's flat <laughs> instead of pointing. Yeah, and then kick drum. So, you know, snare, you get that fat kind of sound out of the snare, and then you go to the kick drum. How do, how do you mic your kick drum? So I'm a two-mic guy. Um, so uh, a lot of people just went, oh, <laughs> two mics? <laughs> yeah. You know? So, uh, I, I so do explain inside, that. Inside and outside. Um, kind of outside. It, it varies, I guess, depending on the microphone, but... Um, inside, I'm a, I'm a Sennheiser guy. Uh, I use an E901. Uh, I know a lot of people will hate me for that, but I, I love that microphone, and I fell in love with it a long time ago and never, never regretted my decision. Um, and then on the inside, I, I go between three different mics. Uh, it depends on where I'm at and what drum it is, what drummer is playing. Um, my go-to used to be the 902, uh, the Sennheiser, and then I went to a Telefunken M82. And from the M82, I've just recently started using the Earthworks. The SR20 LS is their okay. kick mic. Um, it, it just depends. The, uh, the Earthworks drum mics are very natural, is what I will say. It, it takes a lot to get a church kind of pop sound out of their drum mics um but you can do it and when you do it it's incredible but it is true to the drum there's no coloring so if the drummer doesn't know how to tune their drums then you're gonna notice it with these microphones <laughs> yeah I, I used the 421 uh sennheiser and i liked that i do want to put it out there though and i i I always say this, and I will continue to say this. There's no right or wrong microphone. You know, it's like if if you can make a SM57 work on a kick, and it sounds good for you, then that's the right mic for you. Like it's it's not it's not like these microphones that I'm talking about are like the only microphones that are out there. You know. So talk a little bit about the toms and what you do uh, to get them uh, get them sounding uh, nice and tight. That's the word yeah. everybody uses. Tight. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm one of those guys, I like to trigger my gate, you know, like I don't like to leave the tom ringing out as long as it can ring. I, I like 
I like for it to die off, but a natural, natural die off. I don't like it to just boom. I'm more of a, you know, let it breathe a little bit, but uh, you got to have good tuning. Again, if the drummer's not a good tuner, you're, it's going to be a struggle to get that good sound out of it. But uh, what I've found, um, my like go-to typically is the Sennheiser 904. Um, it, it, the clip, it's just nice. It's small. Um, sits right on there. Yeah. If I, if I have the budget, I'll do a 421. I absolutely love the 421s on Tom's. Um, not everybody can afford the 421 though. So, uh, I think the 904 is a great, uh, compromise to it or compliment, I guess, whichever, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a love for the 904. Uh, I've recently been using the earthworks though on it, on the toms as well. We keep going back to earthworks, but there's a Coming reason back to our sponsor <laughs> earthworks. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's but, a reason why though. I mean, yeah, they're just an amazing, um, microphone yeah. manufacturer and they have figured out a lot of things that we yeah. struggle with. So yeah, sorry to interrupt you there, but no, go ahead. you're good. Uh, the DM 20 is their Tom, their Tom mic. Um, but I, Again, it's a very natural sound. It's going to translate what the drum sounds like. So I keep going back to it. You got to have a drummer that knows how to tune the drums. And not every drummer does. If somebody's out there and they just, you know, they have a tom uh, and all they have is a, a 57 or whatever it is, and they just throw it on there, like, how do you attack um, the EQ on that to try to get that? Um, you you mentioned so the reason I'm asking you this is you mentioned gates yeah so I I think it's not just the microphone that gets you to that good sounding tom so what are some things in your chain that you do to get that tom sounding nice and tight yeah so um, I use triggers not to sample a sound I use triggers to gate the drum because um, I found that uh, drummers that play cymbals or if they're in a basically a aquarium you know like we have these days um, the church aquarium yeah. otherwise known as the drum cage yeah <laughs> yeah the full enclosure drum cage um the cymbals are just so loud in there and it's like if you put a gate on a tom the tom's going to open up for the cymbal you know even it, it, I, I don't care if you put the frequency down to you're only listening to the you know the tom itself but it, it, you're gonna hear it through the cymbal and so we moved to um, triggers, and those triggers are our key to to open the gate, um, which I think a lot of churches are doing nowadays. Yeah, I'm seeing it more and more. And kind of explain that, though, if you're a church that's like, what does he mean by trigger? Yeah, so the trigger, uh, we use, a, it's typically used for sampling sound. So like if you put it on a tom, you can run it into a computer or a drum sample box and um, get a specific sound that you want from that box um, and the trigger would be triggered when the drum is hit it's got like a little um, it's got a little felt I would say like a little felt that sits on the tom itself um, and just screws onto the rim but then that has a quarter inch plug in and you go from the quarter inch down to quarter into the box um, in my case using it for a gate I put it on a DI and the DI goes to my console and then basically it takes a channel, but 
if you don't have enough channels, then you can't use them. But yeah, so it's the same concept as electric drums, essentially. Yeah. Um, but you're just putting that on your acoustic drum kit. In your case, you're using it to open the acoustic uh, drum kit uh, electronically so that it is 100% accurate when it opens and when it closes. So, Matt, let's talk a little bit about uh, piano. Uh, yeah. specifically acoustic piano. Right. I say piano, I'm like, give me a DI. I'm good. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Pianos are tough, man. I mean, you know, if in, you know, when you get a good piano player, they're not just not banging on it all the time. They're playing with dynamics. So what microphones do you use for a uh, piano, acoustic piano? So I used to use 414s. Um, and then it was like, well, we need to close the lid. And so it was like, well, okay, it's difficult to fit a 414 in there. If you close the lid, the mic stand doesn't quite fit. Yeah. Um, I pulled it off once, by the way, and then you? the 414 fell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it's, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. If you guys don't know, if you're watching on the podcast, the 414 is is a, it's a great mic, by the way, but it's it's pretty big. Here, microphone. I've got one right here. Oh, Max got one right there. He's going to show us. He's going to... Let's let's see what this 414 looks like here. There you go. So it's it's a big microphone. Um, big guy. Yeah. So I figured out how to get one into a piano with it closed. It lasted for 30 seconds and then it fell yeah. off my clip. Yeah. The piano player wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, I, I for TV I recently tried the because uh, we use Lovs for television. Um, and so I recently tried uh, a DPA 4060, um, one of their lobs, and that works great. They have a miking kit that has magnets, and you can mount it multiple different ways inside the piano. Um, they actually work really well. My favorite, again, <laughs> keep going back to it, but there's a reason, uh, is the Earthworks, their, their piano miking kit. Uh, it's small. It's made to go on the piano. It's, it's And to me, it's a purist sound like it just sounds natural you mic uh high and low or do. Do, you, yeah. do you only use two or do you some people use three they like no. high and then down yeah i only do two just the high and the low part yeah if i was in a studio i might do three i might do like the the body of it so how do you get um because that's a little tricky you got a mic on the high and a mic on the low how do you get a good sound out of that um in terms of blending those two mics together um, for me, I pan them quite a bit. I'm, I'm a hard pan guy. Um, and then I, I just blend it so that it just sounds natural to me. Like if I were to go up to the piano and open it up and just stand there, what, what would I hear? And that's what I, that's the way that I mix it. It's like, or if I'm sitting at the piano, like what would the piano player want to hear? Like, how would it, how would it sound to that piano player? Yeah, so you pan the the highs hard right and the lows hard left. And I do, yeah. You ever panned it backwards accidentally? and <laughs> <laughs> Their hands are going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I quickly realized my mistake. <laughs> People are going to think I'm the worst front house audio engineer ever. I'm dropping mics in the piano, painting them backwards. Yeah. Everybody does it. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. I was... Um, uh, you know, I was mixing for a church and I uh, had a pretty, good, pretty solid mix, but I just, I couldn't, there was something wrong with the snare and uh, I just couldn't get it right. So I turned around and asked the guys, came in, walk out there and listen to the snare. He walks around for about 30 seconds and on his way back, I realized I had the snare top muted and he, he comes back and he says, man, just doesn't sound like it's on. And, and I'm like, I just, you know, 
you know, tail between the legs. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For that point forward, whenever they saw me, they were like, hey, man, the snare mic on? You yeah. Know, you got you to gotta deal with that for the rest of your life. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, uh, I'm, I'm a better front of house audio engineer than it's sounding like on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the other, uh, the other microphone issue that we've all had in churches is, you know, or in, I guess, concert, live venue stuff, the speaker comes out, you know, and, and if you don't have it locked on and they're trying to turn it on and off themselves, you know, it's like, then they blame you. It's like, I'm one of those guys, like, I'll check those microphones and make sure they're locked on. It's like, if it's not going to be on, it's my fault. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. But, you know, you've most senior pastors, lead pastors, they want the ability to kind of control yeah. that because they always had the bathroom incident or the prayer right. incident or whatever. You know, they yeah. went to the bathroom and it was left on or yeah. they were praying with somebody and left on. So I get it. And I was at a church and a pastor walked up and the, the, the audio guy was a half a second late. I mean, like, just... You know, threw it up right after he said hello, and he yeah. realized it didn't come out, and uh, so he reached down and turned the mic off instead of on. Yep, <laughs> I've had that happen too. Oh, so then he thought, then he's thinking, oh, now it's the audio engineer. So that was yeah. a good uh, two minutes of fun conversation. Or they think the mic's broken, and then they get handed another one. And That's it's like, right. Oh, it wasn't broken. You just turned it off. Yeah. The worst nightmares of our life. Everybody in the building is looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is oh, going yeah. on with this guy? Can't get it right. Um, to this pastor's credit, though, when he realized what happened, turned it back on. He was like, oh, that was me. It was my bad. Kind of yeah, took some of the. That's great. When they, when they will take responsibility for it, it's amazing. Took the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. All right. So this is a dying um, a thing. I don't know what the right word is. I was looking for the right word. But choir. Um, not a lot of churches do choir anymore, have choir anymore. Yeah. And when they do, you know, it's 10 or 15 people on the platform. Which is an ensemble. Which, yeah, is not a <laughs> choir, by the way. I mean, I think you got to hit 50. Yeah. Um, but here's the point. You know, what is the best choir mic that gives you the most gain before feedback that you have used? Yeah, so I've used, um, I've used an Audio-Technica I don't even know the model number on it, but it was a, uh, I actually used it because uh, another engineer was using it. And so I was like, okay, cool. What model is it? And I just ordered them. Um, and then I've used the Shure uh, little choir mics that they have, the flex, you know, with the little flex on it. Um, and then I've used the Earthworks FW730. Um, and the Earthworks is by far my favorite. Um, it's again, the game before feedback and rejection of everything else on stage is incredible. My typical choir that I do is kids choir for mother's day, Easter, Christmas, you know, the, the usual church children's production things. Um, and obviously the kids don't sing that loud except for the chorus, you know, the verse comes and they're like, it gets really quiet and then the chorus comes and it's really loud. Um, and that microphone is just, it's hands down the best one for quiet miking and obviously for the loud stuff that'll pick up plenty. Well, so tell me if I'm crazy. This is my choir setup. I think it was 65 people. I think I had 
three or four. Um, I've used AKG 460. I've used 414 before. Again, um, if you can't figure it out, this one church I worked for, the, the best mic we had was a 414. So it was like we had to use it a lot. Um, <clears throat> but I've used the 414. I've used the AKG uh, 460, the KM. I think it's called 184 now. Um, back in the day, I think it was like the 84, the 94. Um, little pencil Neumanns um, that I've used. But I would then put handhelds in my choir uh, on specific uh, people that, um, you know, sang specific parts, you know, soprano, alto, tenor. Uh, I would double those microphones uh, and then slightly delay them, put some verb on them, and then mix them up underneath my uh, choir mics. And just to give some thickness, because it was, um, this choir, you know, didn't sing very loud. So it was a white choir and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were very soft in their approach. And so I couldn't get a lot, no matter what microphone I use is the area mic, I couldn't get a lot of gain before feedback. And so, um, I would, you know, give handhelds to certain parts, uh, double them, uh, delay the double, put some verb on it and then mix that up underneath, um, my area mics and I got a pretty good sound out of that. Yeah. Um, I would get burned every now and then when someone would sing really loud on me on the, on the handheld. Right. Um, but I got into some compression and things like that to try to control that. Um, I think it was like 17 or 18 when I was doing this choir. Okay. And tell me if I'm crazy. No, I think it's a great idea. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people do that. Um, I never did that because I didn't have enough <laughs> extra mics to hand out to to the kids. Uh, we did an adult choir every now and then, but not, I, I never got to use the earthworks on it, but, um, even their choir mic, they were loud enough that whatever mic I put on was fine. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think the handheld approach is, is great. If you have the capacity in your console and channel count and everything, I, th I think it's a great great idea to do that there was a time when we didn't have those mics to put them in the choir so what we did is we took our vocal team you know our five or six vocals that were singing out front and whenever the choir went into the choir piece the the vocal team would sing with them and then i would run a um, i had an old pm1d i would run a snapshot wow. yeah that would um that would flip that uh and double those microphones and allow me to kind of use them up underneath until we actually got mics up in the choir so that was uh, what I did. That was my crazy days when uh, we were trying to figure everything, yeah. trying to fi trying to figure everything out. How do we make this choir sound louder? Yeah. Um, so cellos, violins. Let's talk some of these these instruments that are, um, you know, give you a great sound, but are just difficult in terms of they don't put a lot of volume out. So what mics do you use for like the cellos and the violins and things of that nature? So for the for those like. Instruments. I'm I'm more of a DPA guy on on that side because of size. DPA all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because of size, the the size of them and the placement, they've just got so many different mounting options for their and for their like wood instruments and string instrument stuff. Um, and I I just they work. They work great. I think it's a forty sixty six. I could be wrong. Yeah, DPA. They have a lot of numbers, yeah. but they'll yeah. call out whether or not it works great on a violin or cello. They right. kind of call out the instrument that they they think it works um, great on. And you can't with with these instruments, the woodwind instruments, and so on and so forth. You can't 
go wrong with the DPA. The musicians that I typically would work with were like LA Symphony people, you know, that we would contract to come down to California and Orange County, you know, we would contract them. And if you're not in that world, they are very like their instrument is their baby. Literally. You want to go clamping a mic on it? You better know for sure that it's not going to damage that body of that instrument. So, uh, so that's the other reason I use DPA is just I, it, it's around a lot, and so they they're used to it, and so they they know that the rubber feet won't damage the instrument, and the mounts are good, and so yeah, that's that's another reason I go to those. Yeah, I'm going to sidebar here just for a second, but these the symphony people they. They take a lot of pride in their instruments. And uh, when I was managing church tech teams, worked for big churches, we would have symphony players come in. A lot of times my guys, you know, would get on to me because, you know, I had a strict, pretty strict dress code on how they would look and act uh, when they were at the church uh, and working. And uh, some of that had to do with when outside players come in with a instrument that is a hundred thousand dollars and you walk up to them in a ball cap shorts and a t-shirt and you know just kind of stumbling all over the place you ain't ever touching right <laughs> their instrument at nope. all no but you show up business casual you know you know you treat them politely and they can see that you know you are taking this seriously. Then they let you touch their instrument yeah. and uh, and work with them. So that's just kind of a side note on how dress code plays in a little bit more yeah. into things than you think Symphony it does. Symphony player etiquette. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so room microphones. So there's a few things I want to hit here before we wrap up. Room mics, tuning, uh, vocals. Let's talk a little bit about room mics because it's so important nowadays with with in ears uh, with. Uh, you know, everybody's online, everybody's streaming. What room mics do you use to, to pick up that audience in a way that just really makes them sound big? Yeah. So for, um, I would say for audience miking um, for in-ears, I, I do like a mix. Um, sometimes I'll use a 414 um, and then I'll go with a, a shotgun of some sort. Um, I, it, varies depending on what's available so kind of that 414 shotgun do up thing yeah. that i see all the time yeah so the 414 you're running in what cardioid yeah yeah so it picks up just whatever's out and not what's on stage um but then the shotgun picks up you know kind of a more closer barrel i guess of <laughs> audio and if you're watching on youtube basically it's the the 414s like this and then the yeah, the shotguns kind of like that. Yeah, anyway. I've seen it beside too, like they do side that's by true. side. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of my go-to. Um, I haven't really used other uh, any any shotgun. I'll, I'll make it work, you know. Um, my I think it's the Sennheiser. Sennheiser has a shotgun that's pretty good for it. Um, I forget the model number, but um, and then for my reference like i like to record a front of house reference when i mix and um for my reference i have started using the earthworks uh qt c30 i think it is it's their omni mic um and i'll put it on the left and right of my console 
um, just kind of from my perspective, uh, just picks up the room a little bit more. I have mixed them into uh, like a web broadcast for the web feed, which kind of adds in like a, it just makes it sound more live. But you can't be yelling and screaming at people at front of house. No, no, you can't do that. <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't don't put those mics out there and then start talking into them accidentally. Yeah, because they'll, they'll pick it up. <laughs> they will definitely pick it up. Here's the thing that I would say. You know, we're, ta- we're again, we're talking best practice and what microphones we like. But if you have a stream, you have to have audience mics. I don't care if it's a 57, a 58, whatever. Throw a mic out there. It doesn't even have to be stereo. Get a mic out there. Get it into your stream mix. Don't bury the mix, but definitely get it in there where you can hear audience and a little bit of ambient. If you're using in-ears, um, you know, a lot of people don't have uh, the the audience mics in the in-ears. Get them into your in-ears. It will change the world of, of your singers um, and will help them keep both ears in, which yeah. will help you as an engineer uh, where they don't have to pull their ears out uh, as much. Um, yeah. So room mics are, are super important, I think, in today's world, much more important than they were 20 years ago when, when churches just weren't streaming or in-ears weren't as big of a thing. Right, you had wedges. <laughs> yeah, everything was, everything was. <laughs> I remember those days, they were painful. Yes. Um, everything was wedges. <laughs> so room mics, get them into the room. Um, it, you talked about kind of the configuration, but, you know, and you said you put... Uh, some mics out at, at the console, but what's the where's the best place to put the microphone? Like, should it be at the front lip of the stage, over the audience? Like, where where should they put those? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, there's preferences for everyone. For my preference, I like putting it under the PA, uh, just behind it, a little bit. Um, I, I like to kind of get it as close to. On the stage under yeah, the PA? Yeah, okay. I, li- I like to put it there. Um, just it, it, so you don't have to deal with like delay and stuff like that with the musician or the vocalist. Um, it gives it a more natural sound for them the closer you can get it to where they're actually going to be standing. Yeah, and everything's arriving at the same time, so you're not having to have those weird delay moments. Right. They're like, why is the snare slapping around the room yeah, so much? Yeah, and you'll get those vocalists every now and then, and they're like, I can, I can hear myself, but later. You know, it's like, well, yes, 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 you can. <laughs> <laughs> Let me turn those audience mics down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say this about audience mics. Your first shot at it is not going to be perfect. Um, you've got to experience your room, uh, or I shouldn't say experience. Let me use, I'm using big words now, Matt, and that's when I start to mess up. <laughs> you got to experiment in your yeah. room, and uh, which will help with the experience. Right. See what I did there? Yeah. So it'll help with the experience. Uh, online in in the uh, in the ears. Um, which speaking of the room, tuning, yeah, like how important is tuning and what yeah. microphones do you use? Those are kind of two. Actually, how important is tuning is probably a podcast in and of itself. Yeah, but uh, yeah. let's talk. Let's let's narrow it down to tuning microphones. What mics should you use for tuning? And and um, you know if you have smart back there at the booth yeah. for kind of monitoring. What microphones do you use for that? I think a lot of people would just like, you what? You're smart? You're smart back at your console? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm always smart at my console. Yeah. The guy can't turn the snare on. and <laughs> <laughs> Just put a 414 yeah. on it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's a good point. What is SMART, uh, yeah. Matt? Let's tell everybody what that is. <laughs> so, it is an RTA, which stands for Real-Time Analyzer. Uh, it's a software on the computer that basically shows you 
what your PA is putting out, <laughs> if you will, or your console. Um, it, it shows you in a visual form. Every like, frequency. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for me, I use Earthworks when I'm tuning the room. Um, I, If I'm just using it for uh, like SPL, like the, the sound level, um, I don't necessarily need an Earthworks for that. Um, any tuning mic will work. Um, I feel, me personally, I feel like any mic, any tuning mic would work for SPL. Um, for tuning, though, you need you need something that's precise, something that has a uh, what is the the measurement readout, the the configuration file that you can put in so that the software knows what the curve was when it was manufactured and everything. Um, just for accuracy, for accuracy's sake, um, and, and don't go tuning your room just because you feel like you're qualified. <laughs> Like you, you need to make sure you're qualified. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's two different categories. I think tuning the PA, uh, earthworks all the way. They've been yeah. the standard in the Years. industry in terms of tuning microphones yeah. forever. It's the little silver microphone there and it's just what you've got to use. Uh, yeah. but I always recommend that you bring somebody in who is attuned at least four or five rooms. Uh, they've made mistakes. They've had experiences, um, because it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, delay timing and things of that nature is something that you you want. I mean, we throw this word around a lot, professional, but you want somebody who is a professional, meaning they've done it quite a bit. Um, you can call other places that they've done it at and they can vouch for them. So that's kind of the first category of tuning. The, the second category is what Matt was talking about, which is back at your console using smart software, which I believe is spelled S-M-A-A-R-T from Rational Acoustics. It shows every single frequency that's happening in your room and pretty much any tuning microphone you can use for that. And it'll, like if something starts to feedback, you can see that pretty quickly on the software. Um, Or if things are kind of fatiguing, like in the 1K range, you can kind of see that on the software. It just helps give you a visual feedback of what's happening uh, in the room. So two different categories. The first one, let a professional handle that. You know, you want to see them coming in with the standard, the Earthworks standard. Number two, you can get your rig set up where it'll help assist you with what your mixes are looking like and sounding like from an EQ standpoint. Um, and you can go to, uh, uh, I think it's rationalacoustics.com, yeah. I believe. I think yeah, so. Yeah, rationalacoustics.com, and that's where you can get the smart software there uh last but not least vocals now we did our church tech tip on the sr3117 well let's talk a few uh, and that's the earthworks microphone that's kind of been the game changer out there right now but let's talk several vocal microphones like what vocal microphones uh do you like Uh, i want to talk wired too i think this is a lost art everybody's wireless 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 but wired microphones give you great quality. There's no capanders, none of the stuff that kind of adds frequencies, especially nowadays where nobody can find a frequency. Um, let's let's talk wired microphones a little bit. And I know Earthworks makes the 117 wired. Um, we talked about using that on the snare, and it's an amazing vocal microphone. But outside Earthworks, what would you recommend for vocals? Um, so there, there's one other Earthworks that, shouldn't be left out as well on that is the the 314 
Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and they make a wireless version of that, the 3314. Um, that one... I, I was using that one, but our um, it looks odd on on a on a wireless because the the capsule is like long and very straight, and there's like not a lot of um, shape to it at all. So it's, if you have a singer who wants to be creative and kind of have that artsy feel, yeah, this is the microphone for you. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and and it sounds uh, it sounds phenomenal. I, I I love that microphone as well, but we had to switch because. Our worship leader at the other church, like they just, they're like, no, I don't want to use it. It looks funny, and I, I don't care what it sounds like. Find me another microphone that sounds good, that doesn't look funny. Make it look like a normal microphone. That sounds like a worship leader right there. Is the difference between the secular market yeah. and the yeah. Christian market? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The secular market. This is the best sounding microphone in the world. They don't care what it looks like. Exactly. Use it. <laughs> the, the Christian market. Ah, it looks funny. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the Earthworks 314 is the wired version. The 3314 is the sure wireless version. I'm not sure. They do have the Sennheiser on that, but I don't know what the number is on it. Um, but the uh, the other microphones I've used are obviously the Shure KSM9, KSM8, KSM11, uh, the uh, 5887... Um, I think those are the Shure mics that I've used. The uh, SE, I think it's the V7 from SE. It's it's at the same price range as like the the 317 or 3317 or 3117. Talk this for a second on vocal mics. Uh, one microphone fits all, right? One microphone can work for every single singer. That's That's not the case. I know that's not the case. Here's where I'm going at with this. You have a guy singer, you have a female singer. Um, why would why would one engineer put a 58 on one and put an 87 on the other? Um, pickup pattern, power of the vocalist. Um, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, mainly, I, I would say pickup pattern um, and what it what it picks up from our, the surrounding area. But also, I mean, the power of the vocalist. I mean. There's some capsules out there that can't handle an extremely loud vocalist. I mean, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna peak before it gives you a good sound. Yeah, I ran into that. You know, Beta eighty seven on a vocalist that was just pounding on it. And yeah, he just distorted the head, so we had to switch him over to an SM fifty eight. So the reason why I bring that up is is a lot of churches, you know, they just have the sure, you know, contingent of microphones. And they throw the same microphone. When I was young, I did this. I threw this, you know, the Beta 87 on everyone. I'm like, best microphone ever. Here's the Beta 87. But some people, that didn't work for them. And uh, we ended up having to switch to like the SM58 because they were a little bit harsh or they sang louder. So if you're looking for a vocal microphone, I think we're saying the Earthworks, the new Earthworks microphone is pretty much a one size fits all. But set that aside for a second, and if you don't have the Earthworks microphone, understand that different people have different vocal tones and different volumes, and it'll require different microphones. Uh, the Beta 87 worked great for me with light tones and, and um, you know some of the female singers that I would work with, and, and honestly, some of the male singers that I would work with. But then I would get into somebody who was just really singing loud, and um, I had to switch them over to, um, I don't know if you remember the SKM 5000 and the Sennheiser 
heads yeah. yep. for some of those rap artists. And, you know, they just would sing really loud into the microphone. So that is what I, well, I had to switch to them or a 58 if I didn't have access to that. Yeah. So your your vocal microphones aren't, you know, you just, you, you need to be careful that it matches the talent that Correct. you have on the platform. I think we're saying the Earthworks is a game changer here. Yeah. Uh, in terms of it handling everybody all at, you know, the same, right. um, kind of the same capacity. Yeah. Um, but I would even throw that microphone in there and say, Hey, if, if it's, if you've got it on somebody and you may need to try something else to see, you know, yeah. what works right for that person. Would yeah. you agree with that? Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, at, at Free Chapel, we had, we had the Telefunken M80 capsule for vocals. We had um, we had some M81s. It's a little bit different curve. Um, we had the SE, the V, the V7. I think it's the V7 or the V7X. But we had the SE capsule. Um, we had Sure capsules. We had DPA capsules. We had a 4018VL uh, that we were using. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different capsules that we had at our disposal for different vocalists. But again, once we switched to the, the earthworks, it was, I mean, it, it did, it, it, it was surprising that it did work for everybody. Maybe it doesn't for you though. Maybe it does. Maybe it's not the mic for you, but I, I would dare say, try it and just see what happens. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Get that earthworks microphone. We believe Matt and I believe that it's a game changer for you. Uh, and all the comments that I'm hearing coming back are very similar to Matt's like, Oh my gosh, this is the microphone I'm going to use forever on my vocals. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's awesome. Especially the price point where it's at, it's not a DPA price point, nothing against DPA, but yeah. You pay for a lot of money for the DPAs. And it, and it sounds great. It does sound great. I mean, our, our lead vocalist loved that mic in his ears, and he he didn't want to switch to the Earthworks um, at Free Chapel. And so they, they've kept him on the DPA, but they do have an Earthworks capsule for him if he ever wants to switch. But... But yeah, he he just he got his ears dialed in and he loved the sound of it on his voice. And uh, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like if it sounds great to him, you can make it work at front of house. So, Matt, I know a lot of people are probably going to want to get in touch with you. They're going to want to ask you questions. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah. So my Instagram is Matt Sound. I'm at Matt Sound. Um, you can also look me up on the website, mattsound.live. And then uh, you could email me at matt at mattsound.live. So just to repeat all that for those people scrambling to write it down, yeah. to get in touch with Matt or to book him, you can go to mattsound.live. That's M-A-T-T sound.live or ping him at mattsound uh, on Instagram. Matt, thanks for coming in and uh, sharing your knowledge on microphones. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that wraps things up for today's episode. I can't wait to talk to you on the next Tech Arts Podcast. Until then, I'm David Leuschner signing off by wishing you a great day and praying God blesses every moment of your week. See you soon. You have been listening to the Tech Arts Podcast. 
Presented by Digital Great Commission Ministries. DGCM is a 501c3 nonprofit that was started to help churches with all things technical. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just a better understanding of the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Find out more about our free on-site visits, reports, and consulting by going to audiovideolighting.com. Digital Great Commission Ministries will help you run your church service like a pro. Find out more at audiovideolighting.com. Thank you.